0: you choose to be and you can be happy no matter what happens if you make a choice you see we tend to get frustrated and unhappy when we don't see things the way that god sees things it's my choice to rejoice paul made a choice to rejoice no matter what was going on even when he was dealing with difficult people in his life Happiness is not found in self-gratification. Happiness is found in self-sacrifice. Serving God by serving other people. It's the same thing that Paul put in his life. He said, for to me, living means living for Christ. And when we have that as a purpose, we can be happy no matter what happens.
1: Well if you're happy and you know it, say amen. 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 Some of you are like, I'll say amen after the game today. (laughs) Find out if I'm really happy or not. Well, if you will turn in your and your Bibles or your mobile devices to Philippians chapter two, we're gonna kick off the second chapter of Philippians and we're continuing our series called Pursuit of Happiness. And we're going through the book of Philippians, verse by verse. And and one of the things I've learned already uh, in this series is that happiness is a choice. If you believe that, just say amen this morning. Amen. Amen. Happiness is a choice. It's our choice to rejoice. Now, after, after church day, if you went over to King Supers and you went in there and you started asking a bunch of people and took a poll, you said, you know, what's the key to happiness? You probably get some interesting answers. I mean, some, I'm sure some people will say, well, uh, if i had won the Powerball last week, I would be happy right now. And a lot of people say, money, 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 right? Money bring, would bring me happiness. Or some people would say, it's all about family. You know, if, if my marriage is good, then I'm happy. Or uh, if I can just have kids or, or parenting is good, then I'm happy. Some people would say, it's about education. You get an education, you get a good education, you get a good job. that'll bring happiness to your life. The only problem is that there's people that have all of that, but they don't have happiness. Am I right? Mm-hmm. They have all of that. And they don't have happiness. And we all know people like that. Uh, la- the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this topic of happiness. And Doug's uh, talked about the first week in relationships. Happiness in relationships. And then last week we talked about happiness and happiness and the circumstances in our life. But this week, uh, Paul's going to give us a big key to happiness. And I think it might surprise you. Because I think if you went over to King Super's, you probably wouldn't hear this answer if you asked people, What is the key to happiness? And the key to happiness comes down to one word today that Paul's going to show us, and that word is humility. Humility. I was so excited when Doug came to me and said, Gary, I want you to speak on humility. I can't tell you how I was excited I (laughs) was. I read a book several years ago called Humility. It's by uh, a pastor named C.J. Mahaney. And the first line in the book said this, writing a book on humility has been a very humbling process. (laughs) And I can tell you, preparing a message on humility has been a very humbling process as well. So humility, why is humility, how can that be a key to happiness? We're going to talk about that today. But one thing we've got to recognize is what is the, what is the opposite of humility? And the opposite of humility is what? It's pride, right? It's pride. And pride, what, what we learn in our lives, and a lot of you have learned this, is pride can cause a lot of unhappiness in our lives. Proverbs 13.10 says, this will be on the screen. Pride leads to what? Conflict. Conflict. Pride leads to conflict. You can have all the money in the world, and you can be massively successful, but if you have conflict in your life, you're going to experience some unhappiness, unhappiness, am I right? Some unhappiness. Everything can be going great, and all of a sudden you have some conflict or you have an argument with somebody that you really care about, and that happiness can go completely out the window. Just like that. And what we're going to have to understand today is that if we're going to have long-term happiness, long-term happiness, we're going to need to reduce the conflict in our life. And that is where humility comes into play. That's where humility comes into play. Because when we don't have humility, we're going to have the opposite of that, and that's pride. And pride leads to conflict. How many married people in the house? Just raise your hand, married people. We have conflict sometimes. we? In our relationships, every now and again, me and my wife, we have conflict sometimes. Some arguments, some spats here and there. Why is that? Because there's pride. My wife just won't admit she's wrong. <laughs> I feel a little conflict coming on when I go home today. Pride leads. To conflict, And that will lead us to unhappiness. And what we're going to learn today is why humility is so important to our happiness. So let's get our, our Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And Paul gives us one of the greatest explanations we'll ever see on humility in this passage. So let's look at verse 1 and 2
0: today. It says this.
1: Is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit are your hearts tender compassion. Well, he's talking to Christians here. He's saying, "Hey, have you been saved? Are you happy? And you know it. You know, are, are are you saved by Jesus Christ? Are you experiencing the joy of Christian life?" Well, here, here's what he says in verse two. Then, help me out everybody, make me truly what happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. What's Paul describing here? Loving one another, agreeing, working together. He's describing harmony. That's what he's describing here, harmony. Wouldn't we all love to have marriages like this and relationships like this? Where we have, we're working together, we're loving one another, having more and more harmony. Well, the reason we don't at times is because we're not doing what God is telling us to do in his Word. That's what it comes down to. And just like the opposite of pride is humility, the opposite of conflict is harmony. Harmony, big key for today. Now, we've been giving you guys happiness hashtags. And uh, last week, we I think we had some long ones. But my goal today is to set the record for the longest hashtags. See if I can do it, alright? And here it is in your notes. Happiness comes from harmony, which comes from humility. Let's all say that nice and loud together. Happiness comes from harmony, which comes from humility. Now, I know we have a lot of conflict in our world, in our marriages, in our relationships. And what we're going to learn today is we're going to have long-term happiness. We're going to need to reduce the conflict in our lives. And we're going to have more and more harmony. So today, we're going to learn some real practical things from God's Word. And what we're going to focus on, this is in your notes, how to have harmony with others. How to have harmony with others. Now, here's the first thing. If we're going to have harmony with others... I need to be less prideful. Be less prideful. Now, why do we need to be less prideful? Well, you look at the scripture, pride is like the root of pretty much every sin. You look at at how Satan got kicked out of heaven. Why was that? Because of his pride. Everybody help me out real quick. What is the, the middle letter in the word pride? Okay, come on now. Help me out a little bit. What is the middle letter in the word pride? And what is the middle letter in the word sin? We have an eye problem. That's what we're recognizing here. We have an eye problem. (coughs) Paul says, be less prideful. I love this quote. Uh, This is a great book, by the way. It's, It's called I Am Not But I Know I Am by Louis Giglio, a fantastic book. And he said this about pride. He said, Pride is simply an admission that I haven't seen God at all, it's an admission. You know, when we have the proper perspective of God, there's no room for pride there. There is no room for pride in worship, by the way. There's no room for pride there. When we see God for who He is, that's humility. That brings us to humility. In fact, you look in Scripture, and you, especially in the Old Testament, you see people who had encounters with God. What happened to them? They fell face down on the ground, it says, in worship. No pride. Humility. <coughs> humility. Paul is saying here, listen, if you're going to have harmony with others, you've got to be less prideful. So, I guess the question we can answer first of all is, how do we know that we have pride in our life? How do we know? Well, Paul tells us. He's he's very clear about that. Let's look at uh, verse 3, first part of verse 3. He says this, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. And don't try to impress others. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. We struggle with that in our society. Very badly. We're selfish. We're always just thinking about ourselves. And are we impressing others? Are we impressing others? You know, all, when we have that kind of attitude, we're walking around just worried about others' opinions all the time. That's and that, that brings a lot of insecurity in our life. And you know, the root of insecurity is pride. And that's what it is. It's all about me. It's all about me. How many know the uh, 2013 Oxford Dictionary word of the year? Anybody know that? word of the year 2013. You know what was? Selfie. That was the word of the year. Selfie. Selfie. We live in a very selfie-centered culture for sure. I, I saw this video. This is actually from a Rockies game. And this is a video of some teenage girls at a Rockies game that were all about their selfies. I had to play this today. So let's, let's play that. One more now. Oh, there Better oh, yeah. <laughs> angle. Oh, check it. Did that come on okay? That's the best one of the 300 pictures I've taken myself like today! Every girl in the picture is locked into her phone. Oh, Every single one is dialed in. Welcome to parenting in 2015. <laughs> They're all just completely transfixed by the technology. David Perlton. Oh, hold on, I have to take a selfie with the hot dog. Selfie with the churro. Selfie, just of a selfie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure their parents, after they saw that, were really glad we bought those things for really them. I'm laughing at about it, but I have an eight-year-old daughter who's already in the selfie, so I got a long road ahead of me. But selfies, selfishness. Paul's like, listen, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. When We think about our culture. We're doing that all the time, aren't we? We're always thinking about that. You think about those selfies. You got. It's not just a selfie. You got to get the right angle, right? You gotta get the right angle on the selfie. And that wasn't good enough, so we created the selfie stick so we can get an even better angle with the selfies. We got a selfie-centered culture. What's what's, what's that all about? It's pride. It's pride. You know, us worship leaders, we have to watch that too. We got to watch out for this whole idea of being selfish and worrying about impressing others. We're on the stage every week. And it's a temptation. I got to tell you, it's something that we have to get right in our hearts constantly make sure we're in the right place. I love our worship team here at Orchard Church. We have an incredible uh, crop of uh, talented uh, musicians and singers. Can we just give it up for them? I mean, and I think what I love even more about a worship team, even than, than their talent, is their heart. Because they're not up here for a selfish reason. They're up here to serve our church, to lead you all into the presence of the Lord, to recognize God's presence. All of us to be just changed in God's presence. It's all about the Lord and not us. It's not a selfishness thing, and I I really appreciate uh, that spirit. But I've been doing this for almost 14 years, uh, and I gotta tell you, I haven't always had that kind of spirit on my worship teams in the past. Um, I have had some diva issues, you know, long, long ago, not not here at Orchard Church. Um, I think one of the worst. Situations is, I had a guy on my worship team, this is years ago, and I, the best way I can describe it is, I'm pretty sure he thought he was Elvis. That's the best way I can describe it, because I remember one time, one of the worst times, he gets up on the stage, right? He's holding the mic, and I thought it was at a Vegas show, not church. I thought it was at a Vegas show. He gets on that mic, and he starts pointing at the crowd, like, I see you over there, and he's like winking, and he's singing the song. And I'm a, I'm a worship leader. And by the way, let me tell you something. We're not here for your entertainment. I want you to know that this morning. And that's not a bad thing. It may sound kind of harsh, but I want you to know we're not here to entertain you. We're here to inspire you to worship the Lord. Amen. That's what we're all about. We have to that. So, I'm very passionate about that. And as a, <laughs> as a worship leader, I was fuming as he's out he's up there you know, putting on a show for everyone. And uh, needless to say, he and I had to come to Jesus' meeting after that service. And we had a little conflict, uh, a, little, a little lack of lack of harmony. Um, you know, Paul's very clear. He says, you know, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. I don't know how this plays out in your, your jobs or your marriages or your relationships. But Paul's very clear. He says, listen, if you want to have more harmony in your life, you need to be less prideful. And what he says here, and how we're we going to do that, how we recognize that, is to be less selfish and not try to impress, impress others. That's just pride. I love this quote from uh, the pastor, uh, C.J. Mahoney. I, met, I mentioned this book earlier in the message. But he said this in his book, Humility. He said, Pride takes innumerable forms but has only one end. And what is that? Self-ordification. Paul's very clear. He says, don't be selfish. Don't, don't try to impress people. Because that pride only going to lead years to conflict. I love what James chapter 3 verse 16 says, and this is a unique way in the message that it puts it, he says, whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up in each other's throats. That's such a true picture. And that's what pride does to our relationship. Pride leads to conflict. Remember our hashtag today. Happiness comes from harmony, which comes from humility. When I'm prideful, I have less harmony, and I'm going to have more conflict. So how are we going to have more harmony? With others. We're going to be less prideful. Here's the second thing. And the second thing is is like the flip side of the first thing. Uh, If I'm going to have harmony with others, I'm going to be more humble. That's the second thing. I'm going to be more humble. I gave you a little statement in your notes that you can take away today. Here it is. When I'm not humble, I'll stumble. And my relationships will crumble. When I'm not humble, I'll stumble, my relationships will crumble. Proverbs says that pride goes before the fall. When pride comes into a situation, we don't humble ourselves, we're headed for destruction. Our relationships are, are at risk for crumbling. And Paul makes it very clear here in verse three. If we look at this in, 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 the, uh, in the second part of verse three, he said, Everybody help me out with this. He says this be what? Humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Now, you would think about, when you're thinking about being humble, when you think about the word humility, that's probably one of the most misunderstood terms, humility. What is humility? Well, one thing it's not, it's not self-pity. Not feeling sorry for yourself. That's not humility. That's also humility. <laughs> humility is not self-degradation. Paul gives us a great definition of what humility really is in this verse we just read it. What does he say? Be humble what? Thinking of others better than yourself. What a great definition. It comes down to this. Others before me. Others before me. It's not self-pity. It's putting others before myself. This is a fantastic uh, uh, definition of humility. C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, this will be on the screen. You want to remember this one. It says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less true humility. It's not about putting myself down. It's about putting others before me. Paul says, don't be selfish. i trying to impress others. Be humble. Be humble. Put others before yourself. Look, he says in verse 4, let's look at that real quick. He says, he goes on to say, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You see, the more you think about others, the more humble you more you think of others, the more humble you will be. If you walked into church today, and your main thought was, I wonder what people are going to think about me," I wonder what others are thinking about me right now. Then you're being prideful. You're being prideful. I tell this to you all the time. When you're getting ready for church, make sure you spend more time on your heart than your hair. Seriously. Let's make sure we're in the right place. Because if we're walking in here just worried about impressing others, and we're being But here's the flip side. If we walk into church, think about how can I help others? How can I be a blessing to someone today? Guess what? You're being humble. You're being more humble. You're putting others before yourself. It's others before me. That's that's the simple concept that Paul's giving us. And I gotta I gotta say, I just gotta stop and just say, I love our church. I really do. I love I love our church because this isn't a church where you feel judged. Not a church where you come in and you don't have to worry about that so much. I love that. I haven't always been in churches like that. And I really love Orchard Church for that. We have an amazing culture here at Orchard Church. Amazing, selfless culture here at our church. And I, I love that. I mean, so many of you have helped us with so many different things. Uh, one of the problems we have now is seating. And that's kind of evident right here in this, in this service. We're running out of seats. And we've done some things. Uh, we've, we've asked people to go to the 8 o'clock, and they've been so gracious. To do that, just to free up seats so you guys can be in here right now. I mean, that's, that's, that's putting others before yourself. There's people that have volunteered. We have a video venue room now, just for overflow. And there's people that have stepped up and volunteered and said, yeah, I'm going to put others before myself. And I'll be willing to go into that room. Even though I want to be in here, I'll go in there and watch the message on the screen. That's selfless. And that's being humble. Those of you who are hosting a small group, thank you. Thank you for hosting a small group. Thank you for opening up your home to sometimes strangers. Isn't that wild? Think about it. We don't even know these people. We're opening up our homes. That's selfless. That's putting others before the self. Discipleship. Those of you who are involved in discipleship and you really get discipleship, you know that discipleship is not about you. You know that. It's not about just us learning, learning, learning. It's about us investing in about putting others before myself. I appreciate that. We, we just had our uh, latest uh, discipleship training class. I want to put their picture on the screen. These people have basically said, I, I've been discipled and I want to go on to disciple other people. I want to put others before myself. Let's celebrate that this morning. We just went through a, a, a very selfless season of our church in the fall. We all went through the legacy campaign. And that campaign was not about us. As we learned, it's not just about us building a building for ourselves. It's about building a legacy. A legacy for our name? No. A legacy for the kingdom of God. For His renown. For His honor. For His praise. So that more and more and more people can come to know Him. That's what it was about. And and those of you who went through that, those of you who are giving financially to that, sacrificially to that, those of you who served on leadership teams, you know what you did? You put others before yourself. It's an act of humility. That's an act of humility. So needless to say, I come back to this, I love our church. Love our church. So so glad to be a part of this and what God is doing right here. Paul, we learned in the last couple weeks, we were in Philippians chapter 1. In chapter 1, what we learn, Paul is telling us you need to put Christ first. He said, for me to live is Christ. Put Christ first in your life. And what he's telling us today is think of others better than yourself. And this is in your notes. Humility is about putting Christ first and others next. Humility is about putting Christ first and others next. Don't be selfish. Be humble. Don't be selfish, be humble. Selfish people aren't happy. Did you know that? When you encounter selfish people, they're not happy. You know who are happy? Humble people. People who have embraced humility in their life. They're free of that pride. They're free of that selfishness. They're humble. That is the key to happiness right there. That's the key to happiness. You want to have more harmony in your life? you got to be less prideful You to be more humble. And here's the last thing. And I think this last thing really encompasses and summarizes everything I've said today, and it's this: be more like Jesus. Be more like Jesus. We've probably a lot of us have heard that phrase. We need to be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? I, I would say it, it, that could be somewhat cliche. You know, we've probably seen T-shirts and bumper stickers and all that stuff, and it could be cliche. But when you really think about it, and we're going to really dissect this. Right, right now, when you really think about being more like Jesus, that is anything but cliche. That is transformative. That will change everything in your life if we if we strive to be more and more like Jesus. So what does that look like for us? What does that look like to be more like Jesus? We've heard that phrase, but what does it look like? Well, Paul makes it really simple here. If you look, look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. He says this, you must have the same what? Attitude. Christ Jesus had. The same attitude. Same attitude. Think about how different your life would be if you were striving to be more like Jesus. Think about how different your, your life would be if you had the same attitude as Jesus Christ. How different would your relationships be? How different would your marriages be? What about your job? What about your relationship with your boss? Students, what about your relationship with your teachers or your peers? It would change literally everything if we have the same attitude as Jesus, if we strive to be more and more like Jesus. Well, Paul gives us today, in this passage, uh, three ways to be more like Jesus. And here's the, here's the first one. If I'm going to be more like Jesus, I won't demand what I think I deserve. I won't demand what I think I deserve. Let's look, look at verse 6 and verse 7. It says this, Though he was, what? God. Now let's just stop right there. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Though Jesus was God. Let's really grab that. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Remember those words, cling to. Instead, verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges. But let's not just hurry over that verse. Let's think about that passage we just read. Though Jesus was God. Was Jesus the son of God? Yes. Was Jesus a prophet? Yes. Was he a teacher? Absolutely. But we have to remember that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And though he was God, it says that he didn't cling to equality with God. He gave up his divine privileges. He didn't demand what he deserved and what he thought he deserved. And when you look at our culture, that's very countercultural. To not demand what we think we deserve, isn't it? I mean, especially us, that we've been raised in this amazing country, America. We got, we've got a little bit of entitlement issues. Now you think about a phrase that I've heard a lot. We know our rights, don't we, in America. You, you've heard that phrase, right? I know my rights. I know my rights. And I demand my rights. Jesus didn't. Jesus Jesus didn't demand his rights. In fact, he went the other way. In fact, he gave up his rights. It says that even though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to cling to. He didn't demand his rights for that. It said he gave up his divine privileges. Now that's heavy. Because honestly, think about this. If Jesus, who is God, gives up his rights... Who are we? Who are we to demand what we think we deserve? It's just pride. That's just pride. It's a lack of humility. We're going to learn. We're going to learn later on in this book. And I think in chapter 4 it says that Jesus is the one who actually supplies all of our needs. He's the one that gives us everything that we need. And i got to tell you, I would rather live life relying on Jesus for all my needs by being like Jesus than to go around demanding what I think I deserve. And I'll tell you what, I'll be more happy that way too. Think about the last time. When's the last time in your relationship, let's just say you're, you're, all, you're with your spouse, okay? And you, you went to your spouse and you demanded what you thought you deserved from your spouse. Okay, number one, did you get it? And number two, did it go well? Absolutely not. Probably some conflict and a lack of harmony. Paul says, "Listen, if you if you want to have more harmony with others, you need to be more like Jesus. And if you're going to be like Jesus, you're not going to demand what you think you deserve." Here's number two. If we're going to be more like Jesus, I will look for ways that I can serve. I will look for ways that I can serve. Let's look at uh, the, the second half of verse seven. And Paul says this: He, Jesus took the humble position of a slave, other translations say a form of servant, and was born as a human being. When you look at scripture, you look at the Bible, the Bible tells us that Jesus didn't come to earth to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to serve, and so should we. To go around and going, how can I serve? Look for ways that I can serve. That's very countercultural as well. Because what our culture tells us is the more people we have serving us, the more important we are. But that's not what God says. God says it's not about people serving you more. It's about you serving people more. That's humility. I talked about my daughter earlier. Yesterday was her 8th birthday. And when we we talked to her, we said, what would you like for your birthday party? And she didn't say, like, My Little Pony or Barbie. She said, I want a spa birthday party. (laughs) I got a long road ahead of me. So I said, okay, alright, so figured all that out. I said, Jade, what do you want me to do at your party? And she goes, I want you to be our butler. <laughs> so yesterday afternoon, I was a butler to six like eight-year-old girls. And very demanding, I will say. Would you guys like to see a picture of that? So, there I am. If I don't... a picture of humility, I don't know what it is. <laughs> you want to reduce the conflict in your life? You want to have more harmony in your life? Serve people. Serve people. Ask the question, how can I serve? Love people in your life. Because when you have that humility, that's a big key to happiness. Serving is an awesome culture here at Ultra Orchard Church. I see people wearing the I Serve t-shirts. I love that you guys wear those shirts because I know that you're serving. I, that, I, just, I thank you guys for that. There's people that serve, many, many people that serve in our children's ministry, our tech teams, uh, our guest services. I'm going to leave people out, I know. Just all over the place that are just serving. And why are they doing that? Is it because of selfish reasons? Absolutely not. It's a selfless thing To serve, And you know what you're doing? You're being more and more like Jesus. Being more like Jesus. And you know what? You're bringing harmony into your life. You're bringing happiness into your life. It's it's not about what you deserve. It's about serving. It's like this. It's not about deserving. It's about serving. That's what it comes down to. And we're going to find more and more harmony and more happiness in our life. Here's number three. We're going to be more like Jesus. I will do what's right even when it's painful. I will do what's right even when it's painful. Let's look at the last part of verse 7. And it says this, When he, Jesus, appeared in human form, he what? He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus did what was painful even... Jesus did what was right even when it was painful. And you know what? God blessed Jesus for that. God blessed him. Jesus didn't come to earth and to, to be served and demand his divine privileges and rights. He said, how can I, how can I serve? And how can I do what's right, even though it's painful? And God blessed him, and God's going to bless us as well. Because we're going to find out more and more that the key to happiness is not in our pride, it's in our, our humility, putting others first. Uh, you heard the story last week about Officer Nick Strzok. What he did... To serve. If you didn't see that, make sure you go to our website and check out the message last week. I won't give it all away, but go check that out, the message from last week. An amazing story of humility, self-sacrifice, somebody putting others before themselves. And he basically gave his kidney away to, to uh, Commander, his Commander Scott. And the surgery happened on Monday. What you don't know is that uh, on Sunday morning, I got a text from Nick. And he said, I threw my back out yesterday, so I'm going to be at church today. But the surgery was the next day. He said, but I'm still going to have the surgery. It's going to be crazy painful, but I'm still going have to have the surgery. And I think we got a picture of the, uh, the outcome of that. And everything went really well. And we just so appreciate that story. <laughs> Jesus did what was right, even when it was painful. When, when we do that in our life, God will bless us. Jesus did what was right, even though it was painful, and God elevated him. God blessed him. Look at verse 9 through 11, and we're going to end off this passage today. It says this, Therefore, God elevated him to the the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declared, help me out everybody, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. God will bless us when we do what's right, even though it's painful. When we're less prideful, when we're more humble, basically, when we do those things, we're going to be more and more like Jesus. So may we pursue happiness, see harmony rise in our life, reduce the conflict. Because happiness comes from harmony, which comes from humility. And may we in humility honor God more and more and more and more and more be like. Jesus. Let's let's pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the depth of it today. I thank you for the heaviness of it today. May we all take it in. May we recognize it and appreciate it. Thank you for the power of your word today. May we put it into practice. We bless your name, God. May every head bow and every eye closed. Maybe you here this morning and you're searching for happiness you've been searching for happiness it comes and goes and you've been trying to fill that void and trying to find happiness in things that just aren't lasting you've tried it all but you haven't said these simple words jesus is lord you're here this morning and you've been fighting that surrender you're just fighting that surrender to god you've never really put your total faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've never made Him your personal Savior. I'm here to tell you today, if you do that, that simple act of humility, just to bow and say, Jesus is Lord of my life, I finally surrender. If you do that this morning, you're on your path to happiness, long term happiness, an eternity of happiness, and it'll fill that void for eternity. If that's you this morning, you can accept Him as your Savior right here, right now. All you have to do is just simply say this these words from your heart to God's heart. It's not the prayer that's going to save you. It's your faith in Jesus that will save you this morning. So if that's you, you can just pray this prayer after me. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. I surrender to you. I believe that you died for me. That you rose again. And that you reign in eternity as King. Jesus, Jesus, be the king of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you this morning and you said that prayer, and you, you finally surrendered your life to Jesus and you're ready for that path to happiness. And that's you, finally surrendered. If that's you, you just lift up your hand nice and high. I just want to pray for you this morning. Thank you you, receive. Amen. Just raise it nice and high you said, I finally surrendered to Jesus today. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you for your word and the power of it, Lord. I know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm with everybody else in this room. Lord, we need more humility in our life. We need less pride. God, we need you for that. So God, we pray for that. We pray that we're not just hearers of your word today, but that we'll be doers as we leave this place. And may you be blessed. May you be Praise in all of our efforts and all of our decisions, and God may be magnified in our life. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's we'll
0: celebrate with God's name. Amen. 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 Let's we'll celebrate the Christ this morning. Thank you, Gary, for that great message this morning. And next week we'll continue our series, Pursuit of Happiness. We're going to talk about how to have happiness of heart. Because when our heart is happy, the rest of us is happy. So we'll look forward to that next week. If you made a decision for Christ this morning, raise your hand and said, I accepted Christ. Please let us know about that. There on your connection card, just give us your name, your contact information. We want to continue to pray for you. We have a prayer team that will be praying for you. We'll send you a little booklet in the mail that will just help you in your new journey with Christ and your first steps. If you're a first-time guest this morning, thanks for being our guest here at Orchard Church We love having first-time guests. Amen, church? So we're glad you guys are here. Hopefully you fill out your guest connection card there in your newsletter. You can drop that in the offering bucket. We'll receive our gifts in just a few moments. And we will send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail just thanking you for being our guest today. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you personally, I would love to do so. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard um, after service. So come by and introduce yourself this morning. I want to ask all of you guys to do something to help us out this morning here at Orchard Church. We are experiencing a really great problem. We are continuing to run out of seats. It's harder and harder and more difficult each week to find a seat. We like it that way. Amen? Because that means we're reaching more people for Christ in our community. We just recently participated in a, a nationwide study of churches and church growth, and Orchard Church is one of not only one of the fastest growing churches in Colorado. We're one of the fastest growing churches in the nation, and we just that. <laughs> But it does present some challenges uh, because we're probably a year or so away from our new building being completed. We're hoping to break ground in the next few months. Uh, things are moving ahead very well with the city, and so be praying for that. But we're going to be able to break ground just in the next three three months or so, as we get our building permit, but here's how you can help us today. In your newsletter, we put one of these service time surveys. If everyone would just take this out right now, take it out, I'm going to ask you to fill out one of these per family, not per individual, but we just need one per family, so somebody has to vote on who's going to fill this out, and we're, we're going to ask you to answer these questions. Gary, as he said, we were in a conference this last week in Florida, and we shared our deliver and our challenges of our growth with several other pastors, colleagues of ours that have dealt with the same thing as they're preparing to build their first building. And we told them our service times. And they said, yeah, we used to do the same thing. We had like an 8, a 9:30, and 11. And they experienced the same thing that we've been experiencing the last couple of years that we've been able to buy ourselves a little bit of time by having an 8 o'clock service. But that service is not growing. Ninety-five, About 90-95% of all of our first-time guests... They don't come to the 8 o'clock service. They're smarter than that. They come to the 9.30 or the 11th service. And we've had some people, gratefully, that have been willing to go to eight to, to, to uh, relieve seats in the other services. But we're still out of space. So what they suggested is that we consider shifting our service times ahead to times where all three services, guests, the first time uh, people in our community that we come to church would be willing to come to. So this is something that we are considering. It's something... We're praying about it. It's not a done deal, but we need your help. We want your input. So if you fill this out, it will really help us as we make these decisions and pray for us because we want to continue to be relevant in our community and have seats for new guests. So first of all, answer, what is the total number of family members that attend with you? So just put the total number that come with you um, each week. How many of those uh, that come with your family attend our kids' ministry? Because this will help us to prepare for the kids' classes and things like that. We really encourage you to put your kids in our kids' ministry. We have a fantastic kids' ministry here at Orchard Church. We just hear wonderful things about our kids' ministry all the time. And your kids need to be learning the Bible on their level. Um, they don't want to be here listening to me, trust me. So put them in kids' ministry. That also helps us with seating. How many um, kids attend kids' ministry? And then answer which service do you currently attend? Okay, which service, 8 o'clock, 9.30, or 11 a.m. do you normally attend currently? And then, if we went to these potential service times, which one would you regularly attend? And we're hoping everybody will just kind of move forward a service. And that will kind of spread things out. We're looking at 9 a.m., 10.20 and 11.40 as possibilities of our new service times. 9 a.m., 10.20 and 11.40. The 11 o'clock service should love this because none of them show up until like 11.20 anyway. So it should be perfect. So if we offer those three service times... Which one would you most likely attend? Just let us know that as we put this together, and that will really help us out. So fill that out right now. Fold it up. Drop the offer above when it goes by, and we would really appreciate your help and your input this morning. Isn't this a great problem to have, Orchard Church? We need to celebrate this. Never get tired of having to try to make seats for new people. Um, I, don't, I don't think I shared this with you yet. This year, the first two Sundays, in of January, we've already had over 150 first-time guests in our first two Sundays this year. So we've got to make sure. And many of these people that we're talking to are, are people that um, have either never been in church or they used to go to church as a kid and they haven't in a long time and they, they want to get into a good church. And so we're reaching people, uh, new people, a lot of people that don't know Christ. And so uh, it's an exciting time for us. Uh, We're going to close with a response of worship. Also, we're going to worship through our giving because we believe here at Orchard Church that giving is one of the highest forms of worship that we can participate in. So we're going to receive our tithes and our offerings. A biblical tithe is 10% of our income, giving to the Lord first and believing that we give to God first in our best and the rest will be blessed. And then an offering is anything over and above your 10% tithe. We have many people that are giving over and above and offering the legacy campaign uh, to our feeding centers. And so I just want to thank you guys. We have an incredibly generous church here at Orchard Church. And we could not do the ministries that we do without your faithfulness and your giving. So thank you. I know many of you give online. You've already set that up. Some of you will give in this service. So thank you uh, for your giving. You know, we want to be a church. You can hear me say this over and over. This is our heart. We want to be a church that learns to give to God first. Because we have a give first God. Amen? Amen. We want to learn to save second. Because it creates healthy margin in our lives. And then we want to learn to live on the rest. And that helps us to live content lives. And so that's, that's our heartbeat here at Orchard Church. And God laid something on my heart that we're going to start doing from time to time. And we're going to do it the first time today. Um, most of our giving is online. Some people give and they put it in the envelope. But we get a certain amount of cash in the offering bucket that goes by. You know, somebody will put a 20 in or a 10 in. And so we'll have a certain amount of cash. And so if you're here today, and I mean this with all my heart, if you're here this morning... And you have a need in your life. If you're 21 years of age or older, and you have a special need in the area of clothing, shelter, or food, I want you to feel free. If if the bucket goes by and there's cash in there, and it would help you, then you take what you need. Is that fair enough for church? You take what you need. I mean that. I mean that. Somebody after the first service said, everybody's going to start sitting toward the back now. But no, I, I really mean that. Because for... Orchard Church has been so blessed, and we have been blessed to be a blessing. So don't feel bad about it while we're worshiping. If the bucket goes by and it can help you and be a blessing, then you take what you need. If you want to help someone and throw a 20 in there and it would help somebody, then do that. Isn't it fun to be able to help other people like that? So we're going to do that time. Exactly. So help yourself today. Let's stand as we close in response to worship and worship through our giving. God bless you guys for being here. Love you, Orchard
1: Church. We'll see you next week.